on your your first place at DreamHack. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, though it seems like that seems that that's a that seems to be a trend for you. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty been well. a good you know year and a half or so. It's been good. And <laughs> um, so I guess the first thing um that I want to ask you about is how did you get started playing games? So, I mean, I grew up in the 90s, so a lot of, like, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, and then Nintendo 64. So, basically, you know, pretty much what all the kids, particularly the boys, were doing back then. You know, you have friends in the neighborhood. uh, They come over, and you play as typically two players, you know, right in front of the TV screen. All kinds of games. Football games, baseball games, shooters, like Mario Brothers, you name it, it was pretty much played. So I would say for, you know, someone my age, I'm 30 now, that, and, you know, so male growing up in America, I think that was actually a pretty typical um, path. I think the vast majority of kids were were, were playing those kind of like console games and and so forth. And uh, and were you playing any first-person shooters on those consoles, uh, like, when you are a kid? Well, interestingly, I mean, I did actually play some Doom, like, when it first came out. Well, maybe not first came out, because I think it came out, like, 93, 94. I was playing it in, like, 95 or 96 on a PC, but only single-player. And uh, <laughs> I remember uh, that game did scare me a lot. I don't know. How much you know about that game, but it's it's a scary first person shooter, pretty pretty legendary uh, title. But in terms of a game that like I played a lot, it was actually GoldenEye um, on Nintendo sixty four. That was really popular, and that was um, like the first game where I could play with like four players, like mm-hmm. in the same room on a TV screen. You see the four split screens, um, so that was like. Just an amazing game. That was so much fun. The single player co-op, I mean, uh, the single player campaign, and then the multiplayer, both were both were great. And uh, was it? Did you pick up Quake um, not long after you were, you know, you playing Doom on PC? Was it a pretty easy transition to Quake? Yeah, so I kind of like stumbled into Quake. Like a friend from the neighborhood uh, had a Quake Two CD and said, you know, let's play this basically at this point this is like 2000 or maybe even 2001 um and the idea was yo we can play this online and you know you have to remember back in 2000 like almost everyone back then had a 56k modem which was horrible (laughs) for playing (laughs) online but what was kind of crazy was so i'd be playing with like 250 to 300 ping with friends from the neighborhood and it was like among the most fun I've ever had in my life. <laughs> it was, it, like looking back, I, it's such a bad gameplay experience due to like the horrible PC, the horrible monitor, the horrible internet. But like the amount of fun I had just playing that game uh, when I was like twelve, thirteen was second to none. So yeah, that that's when it really and and I basically fell in love with the game, if you will, of Quake. I really loved um, just what it offered it was a little more unique as a shooter because it was faster paced mm-hmm. and it had you know like like i think of a gun like a rocket launcher which is mm-hmm. synonymous with quake and that's something that like in a lot of games it's like a special gun whereas in quake it's like you get that all the time 
And it, so, so it's just, you know, the way the game actually plays with the movement skills and the like combat and the weapons, I basically fell in love with it. it I mean, it didn't take you very long in the grand scope of life anyway. It's just a couple years after that that you were playing competitively, right? Yeah, so I would say I, I just played it because I liked it. And there was so much to learn. And so, like just doing like trick jumps around the map took a lot of time. Um, so like it was it's one of those games that's I almost I almost compare it to like um, I guess it's almost like anything. Like if you're playing an instrument, it's cool to see that you're improving. And even if it's just a little bit like I couldn't play this song before, now I can. Or I couldn't do this jump in Quake before, and now I can. Mm-hmm. And then you just keep rolling with it. Now, now that jump, now now that you can barely do it, now you can do it easily. So, like seeing that progression was something I really like appreciated. And then, so I basically played for fun, but was naturally getting better. Mm-hmm. And then, around two thousand five or so, is when uh, the competitive like side of things sort of started spurting for me. Like I guess. Uh, in terms of like actually going to events and tournaments, things like that. And was that something that you were they local tournaments that you were able to go to, or like in the state where you lived? Uh, no, actually, these were so Quake. I basically skipped over playing Quake Three uh, quite a lot. I mean, I played it, but it was Quake Four that came out in two thousand five, and then there were a lot of events. Uh, basically from 2005, 2006, and even 2007 um, that, you know, you had to travel to go to. So most were around the country. Uh, Dallas is always notorious for having a lot of Quake events for various reasons, Um, but also some events in Europe. Um, What? (laughs) Yeah. How did you convince your parents don't let you go to Europe for competitive gaming tournaments. Well, once I started breaking into it, like, I mean, at this point, I'm like 17, 18, and I've gone to several events, you know, uh, and I've made some money, not big money, but, you know, a few thousand here, a few thousand there. Um, so Enough to be convincing. <laughs> yeah. But at that point, too, I'm like entering college, and they can't really tell me no. <laughs> so it's okay. But, uh, yeah. It's were there any like competitive players at that time that you followed or that you you that you paid attention to as a like as a role model or somebody that you that you wanted to kind of follow after? Well, I would there are two names that come to mind. So one, in terms of just dominating the scene, it was a player named Toxic, who's actually still competing today in Quake Champions, but in Quake Four he was the guy to beat. He just had so many tournament wins he seemed unbeatable um so he, he had kind of like a reign of terror if you will he's he's the all-time best quake four player um but i got to give a shout out to an old friend who's not world famous but among quake players he's pretty famous but polish player that went by the nickname of scooby he was uh, an old quake two team deathmatch player that ended up moving to the usa he moved to chicago in like 2005 so like he used to be like this rival overseas. Like we would play in these international online events. And then it's like, Hey, I get to team with him now. Um, <laughs> so he's just like a really cool guy, a lot of fun. And he was, he was always a great team player, uh, dropping weapons for his teammates and, you know, being pretty 
the opposite of selfish, I guess you could say, to help the team win. So it's the spirit of twos, right? Yeah, and and four <laughs> versus four as well. There's a lot of different varieties of uh, quake that have gone down over the years. And how did y'all end up getting teamed up together? Uh, me and Scooby in specific. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. the Global Gaming League or GGL for short, which no longer exists, uh, <laughs> had <laughs> decided to host uh, a four versus four team deathmatch um, circuit, I guess you would call it, where the top two North American teams go on and face the top two European teams in New York City. And basically, we were familiar with each other, Scooby and I, uh, from Quake 2. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a natural fit. Um, and it was like a matter of like kind of figuring out who else should be on the team. Um, but yeah, it was like a lot of people went from Quake 3 to Quake 4, and I didn't actually know a lot of those people. So I kind of went with the guy that I'm familiar with. <laughs> <laughs> and um, how long was it so before you were picked up by like an organization? I know that esports organizations have been around like like Liquid, who you're affiliated with now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just curious kind of how that worked out time-wise. Um, so, again, the first, uh, I guess, pro-level event I went to was like late 2000. No, I, I guess it was early 2006. And then I got picked up like maybe May or June of 2007 by Evil Geniuses. Mm-hmm. And they were very famous pretty legendary organization in their own right um and that was basically by traveling to the event on my own dime but performing very well and kind of impressing them um and (laughs) and i was back then people have to remember 2007 like gamers weren't rich back then like a lot of them (laughs) are now so just they, I think at the time they were saying like, hey, we're going to cover your flights to these events and give you a hotel room. And that was like amazing. I was like, yeah, you know, like, um, so that was kind of the agreement, if you will. But yeah, so it took about a year and it took me needing to place in a dual event pretty well. I think I got like fourth or fifth at one of the World Series of Video Game uh, Quake 4 events. And so how did from from 06 until you stopped playing Quake? Um, to move to Overwatch. What what was that timeline like? Because I know that the scene kind of was changing a lot. I mean, Quake had been out for quite a while and there were a lot of new esports genres kind of on the prowl for dominance in the arena. Um, Are you talking about in specific to Quake or like the scene broadly? Um, I mean, both or uh, <laughs> both if you have an answer for both. Um, but whatever, you know, is makes more sense for you to answer. Well, I'll give my own perspective, which, you know, there might be some fact checkers <laughs> out there. But, but from uh, the, the easy answer I can speak on is Quake specifically. So it, with Quake, there were kind of some peaks and valleys, if you will, of activity. So in 2008, they actually went back to Quake 3 because Quake 4 had a lot of technical problems. But okay. I didn't want to play Quake 3. So personally, I because I didn't want to play a lot of the old maps and have to relearn a lot of stuff against players that have a... Uh, an advantage on me mm-hmm. and the prize money wasn't spectacular. So I kind of sat out of 2008, but then they announced that they were going to play um, ID software announced quake live in 2009. And they announced a capture the flag tournament at QuakeCon for like $15,000. If I remember correctly, or 
for first place, it would be mm-hmm. 15,000. <laughs> I'd have to double check, but it was like something that I saw as like a fun thing to get back into. I love Quake and I love team team play in Quake. Mm-hmm. It's just really dynamic and interesting to play to, in my opinion. So so yeah, and and then it kind of stabilized from 2009 to like 2013. There'd be maybe you know, four or five significant events a year, give or take, for Quake Live. Mm-hmm. But then, again, with the peaks and valleys, it kind of tapered off 2014 to 2015. It was pretty much just limited to QuakeCon, which was one big event a year, but not a whole lot going on. Mm-hmm. So those are the kind of, I guess, like I said, peaks and valleys on the Quake side. I don't have a whole lot of insight into like esports more broadly. I know Counter Strike was <laughs> well. I know Counter Strike was the game that it's kind of declined a little bit, but it always also at the same time seemed like it was a lock as an esport long term. Because I remember they were going to develop like CS Pro mod in the late two thousands, um, maybe two thousand ten, two thousand eleven, and then they started saying, you know, we're going to have another Counter Strike game come out, so. I always knew that that was going to be a major esport, but yeah. And so, um, did you kind of fall off from competing for a little while? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I went to college, and even like more recently, like started a career and all that. Like <laughs> Those 2000- darn things. <laughs> yeah. Like 2014, <laughs> 2015, etc. Like, what's interesting is I was actually, I thought I was going to be done with Quake like kind of forever, if you will, because I'm only really interested in competing. Um, so if there aren't major events, like I don't have that interest to play absent those, but uh, Overwatch was coming out in 2015. And I wanted to give that a try. Cause I knew like, you know, a lot of my skills could carry over. And then at the same time, it's a brand new game. So no one has an advantage over me. Like from the get go, I'm not playing catch up against, you know, Counter-Strike professionals that have played for five plus years. So from 2015 to like mid-2017, I started playing, or I was playing a lot of Overwatch. And were you signed with a team of any sort? Yeah, so April of 2016, uh, I got signed to Team Liquid with... Yeah, so (laughs) the, the interesting part of that was, this was team, like... Team Liquid was just wanting to like get their feet wet in the scene, so they mm-hmm. went with me and several other people that have pretty good reputations. But I knew at the time like we were not the best team out there, <laughs> and they did too. <laughs> um, so there were a lot of lineup changes actually that occurred over those next like twelve months because the Team Liquid, you know, demands results, and rightfully <laughs> so. so. <laughs> I mean, I'm just glad I wasn't one of those guys that had to get forced off the team. But yeah, by the end of uh, the summer or so of 2017, we were actually like a top, top North American Overwatch team, like indisputably like a top four team, I would say at that point in time, based on the tournament results. And um, how did you get involved with Team Liquid? Um, basically... <sighs> So someone knew one of the managers of Team Liquid at the time and was, and when I say someone knew, uh, that's a, that was a player I was playing with on 
the team that we were just like practicing with mm-hmm. looking for uh, potential sponsors. And so he reached out and they expressed interest. And so from my side of things, which was like, I didn't have a ton of visibility there. It was pretty easy. It was just like someone had a connection and they knew we were good. They didn't know how good, but they wanted to like, you know, <laughs> sign us. And then if, you know, lineup changes were needed, that was just inevitable. So do you feel like your experience with competitive gaming, although, I mean, it was a different game, um, but in the same general genre, you know, Overwatch is very unique in its own right, as far as a first person shooter goes with a competitive shooter, I feel like compared to Quake anyway. Um, but do you feel like that helped you at all? Yeah, so like the mechanic side, meaning like moving and shooting and things like that, that carried over very well. I found that to be, you know, pretty easy with Overwatch. But the most challenging part, and I think a lot of people will agree with me, is like the coordination with your teammates Mm -hmm. in Overwatch. You kind of have to be like, you have to like visualize the map, like, (laughs) uh, and know what's going on with like all 12 players on the map or at least know what could happen. Like this person can flank me there. Oh, my teammate is telling me this information. I need to process it. I'm seeing this information. I need to convey it. Like your mind is, it needs to operate at a very fast pace and you need to make good decisions quickly. Whereas Quake is like, it is not like that at all. It's like raw combat skill. Communication is still important from the team play perspective, Mm -hmm. but with Overwatch, one bad, like, one teammate that's not really on the same page can ruin everything. Whereas with Quake, like, you, it's not as <laughs> significant. And uh, can you compare what the competitive scene as a player, it, like, com- compare both the scenes, Overwatch and Quake, um, tournament-wise? I'm sure working with Blizzard, um, and I'm sure Blizzard didn't run all of the tournaments, um, but they probably had a hand in quite a few of them. Um. Right. Well, I can really only speak mainly on the kind of the Overwatch side of things before Overwatch League, because that's its mm. own monster. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, <laughs> but I, I really loved playing Overwatch and the scene and the, the scene of tournaments, even though they were mostly online and not too significant in the grand scheme of things. But mm-hmm. the nature of the competitive scene had so many players, so many teams. <laughs> and you, like, so you could you know we would we would practice four hours a day typically maybe six depending uh but then there would be like a weekend online tournament as well so we're playing that for another four to six hours depending um but it's like every single time we're playing we're playing a whole new team with whole new like challenges and sets of ideas like you know complexity runs this composition very well they have a good roadhog but then we go and play like the immortals and their Genji is like unstoppable. So it's, <laughs> so it's just, I just love the variety and the depth of the player base uh, and the amount of teams. That was like one of the best experiences for sure. Um, but, but Quake on the other side is like, you just have this like top, like tier set of players. And then that tier right below it, like they can't even really compete. So it's like you got your top tier players. There's maybe ten of us. What what you can define the number how you want, but uh, it's the same ten or so that keep showing up at the top. And 
it gets, I, I hate to say it, but it's a little stagnant in that respect. <laughs> You know. I mean, it is what it is, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so Quake Champions being announced, I guess, was a pretty big deal for you. <laughs> right. Well, they kicked off an announcement for QuakeCon 2017 that it would be a million-dollar tournament. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the way I saw that was like, man, <laughs> if this is the tournament they're kicking off with, they're going to keep having more tournaments. Maybe not million-dollar, million-dollar, but like it's going to be significant cash, and it's my all-time favorite game. So I want to compete in that um, and not necessarily pursue Overwatch. Another um, aspect of that is like I wasn't guaranteed to go into the Overwatch League. Mm -hmm. And then if you do that, obviously, it's like a life-changing thing. You have to move uh, to Los Angeles. It's better suited for people that are like 19, 20 that don't (laughs) have prior commitments and things. Um, But with Quake, it's also less demanding in terms of a practice schedule as well so that kind of made the most sense and uh yeah i'm i'm riding it out as much as i can at this <laughs> point because yeah they keep pl- having tournaments and i love the game so so was it a pretty easy transition um within liquid because you're playing you're playing quite competitively now for team liquid yeah right? so yeah so they knew they had rafa and myself um which was which were we were considered the best uh, North American Quake players already. And then, you know, <laughs> we, there, we have a Quake Con coming up for a million dollars. So we're going to represent Team Liquid going there. Like it, and so it wasn't really, <laughs> it wasn't complicated. Like we wanted to stay with Team Liquid anyway. They've been great to us. Um, they're just a fantastic organization. Very, very simple. And can you talk, so was this the biggest prize pot that you guys had played for, like in any of your previous game, you know, previous titles that you've played to? Yeah. And that's, what's funny is like, if I, if you go back to like 2007, 2008, 2009, sometimes there would be like major international tournaments for Quake and other games for that matter. But like the total prize pool would be like $20,000 or $25,000. And I mean, that's been... You you can it's not just Quake. You compare any game now, like the the level of difference in the past decade in prize money uh, is an order or orders of magnitude different. Uh, but yeah, so the QuakeCon million dollar tournament was was the most by far <laughs> that I've played in. And was that your first experience with Quake Champions as well? Uh, yeah, that was the first tournament. We started playing the game a little late. Like a lot of players were already practicing for it, like in April of mm-hmm. 2017. We didn't really get going too much until like July 2017. I think the event was in August, mm-hmm. so we were, and and I hadn't played Quake like for like a year and a half. Like I hadn't touched it, but I still, of course, had all that you know background knowledge of the game. But uh, it it took a little bit of time to settle in for sure. And how did y'all do in that tournament? So I got fourth in the dual tournament because it was actually two tournaments in, mm-hmm. at the same event. And then I got third slash fourth in the four versus four tournament, which was a new game mode called Sacrifice, which is kind of like capture the flag, except you can throw the flag to teammates, <laughs> basically, to, to summarize it. So um, basically top four in both, which was a good result, not the best, but uh, yeah, I think I got like 35,000 roughly, something like that out of mm-hmm. it. 
So it was, I'm, I was happy. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine. Um, and, and as far as Quake Champions goes, like mechanically, um, is, are there a lot, any differences or major differences between the previous titles that you played competitively in this one or things that you like better about this one versus older titles? Uh, well, Quake Champions, actually, it it's like a fusion of all the previous Quakes in a way, because the champions, it's in the title, like you pick one champion and they can move a certain way. You pick another champion, they move a different way. Uh, and they also have champions with more health or more armor technically than the other, but they also have bigger hitboxes or maybe they're slower. So it's like, it, it's pretty balanced in that respect. But uh, yeah, you there's actually a flavor of like every previous quake in the current quake champions game. Like they have uh, the CPM movement, which is called from uh, an old quake three modification called challenge pro mode. And that is where you can like bunny hop and you're like, you have a lot of air control, but then they also have double jumping. They have uh, crouch sliding, which is a quake four mechanic. So there's all kinds of movement gimmicks going on. It's, yeah, it's it's really fun. It's a little bit of everything. And um and so you've been playing Quake for Team Liquid in the time, you know, since Champions came out and you're I mean obviously you were playing, sorry. Obviously you were playing earlier this month um at Dreamhack. Mm-hmm. So how how has it gone um so far with uh with this title? Yeah, well, like I said the so we got I got top 4 at QuakeCon 2017 which was pretty good. Uh, but what I would say is overall that my dual placements have been great and then sometimes good and then sometimes not good. It's been a little <laughs> bit all over the place. So I, be, I won the DreamHack Winter Dual event last year, which was the second biggest prize purse that Quake ever offered. So that was a big win. That was um, $50,000 for first place. Wow. But then there have been some other dual events where I didn't really do particularly great. Like I get five, fifth through eighth. I, I mean, when you consider the level of competition at these events, I, I don't really think that's a bad place placing. Um, but yeah, up, ups and downs on the dual front. But on the team side of things, uh, we won two out of the three sacrifice tournaments last year. And then we won every single two versus two tournament this year. So wow. It's been five of the last five have all been first places on the team front. And that's something that I'm very proud of. And it it's just nice that like the hard work has paid off because I just love Team Quake so much. And I I, <laughs> I really want to capitalize while I still have like the ability to compete to make sure I take home the titles while I can. <laughs> Absolutely. And and you like you said earlier, you have a career. You work a full-time job, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. right? How how do you manage that work-life balance because I'm sure it's pretty time-consuming competing. <clears throat> right. Well, I've had some some internal agreements with my job where I might not be working at 100% hours, so it kind of varies on that. So it, they're pretty flexible. Sometimes I'm 50%, for example, but it's, it is still tough because it's quake is, uh, and any competitive game really that you're playing at the highest level, takes a lot of mental energy out of you. Mm-hmm. So when you come home from work and I do a consulting job that does take like mental work, like I feel like mentally kind of tired when I come home sometimes, mm-hmm. um, 
that that's the real challenge is just staying fresh for practice because I know I've played and my teammate Rafa, particularly this past year, I know sometimes that I show up for practice, I'm not playing very well. And and it's not because I'm just having an off day. It's literally because I'm just a little mentally fatigued. And that's the that's the main challenge um, is making sure you you kind of perk yourself up with caffeine going in <laughs> and get good sleep. And because there's no point in practicing if you're not going to like treat it like a match, in my opinion. Of course, if you're like learning brand new things, like a new map comes out or a new champion comes out, you can just kind of mess around and like see what's going on. Like it's not doesn't need to be intense or anything. But when you're actually practicing versus other teams, in my opinion, like you want it to be intense and you want to take it seriously because that's the way the tournament's going to be. So why not prepare like it's a tournament? Absolutely. And and your teammate, Rafa, how did, had y'all played pre- together or against each other previously to working with Liquid? Yeah. So even going back to the Quake Live era, we were, <laughs> <laughs> so we won a Capture the Flag tournament in 2012 on the same team. Uh, but we were even playing Team Deathmatch on the same team prior to that. So So we go back, you know, it's been seven, eight years where depending on the time of year, maybe he's on my team, maybe he's on the other team. But ever since Overwatch, when he got signed, which was uh, like maybe September-ish of 2016, we've been on the same team ever since then. So Okay. Wow. that's So that's, that's really nice, I guess, having a partner that you've dynamically learned how to play, play with. Yeah, and he... I mean, you can't really say enough good things about him. So he's got like the track record in duel for sure when it comes to Quake, you know. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, his team play is also amazing. He's got he's got like the a, an uncanny ability, and it's really evident in the Quake scene because people always say like the North Americans communicate better than the Europeans when it comes to two versus two. Um, but but he's like he can be in the middle of a fight against two opponents and I'll say something and he can like instantly react while multitasking and then t- say something to me, which it sounds like it's not that hard, but trust me, it's, it's hard <laughs> to do that. And to like consistently do that for the whole match, like over and over and over and over. He, he's really good at like taking in information while at the same time conveying in- information like one second later, that's also critical to the team as a whole. I think that that's awesome, though, that you guys are able to work so well together and you've got such a good teammate um, and that you guys haven't been playing so long together. (laughs) I I feel like there's a lot of people that don't really, you know, we see a lot of these competitive team, um, these games where people have to play on a team and it's like, you know, they sign contracts and then they're living in a house with somebody that they just met, you know, five minutes ago. And it can work out, obviously. Um, (laughs) Yeah. having, Having that shared history must be great. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, what you're alluding to, I mean, there's going to be, like, personality clashes and things like that. I mean, sometimes teams just pick up a player because they know they're a good player. Uh, I'm not, And I'm talking outside of Quake, just broadly speaking. Like, <laughs> this is a free agent who's great, or this guy, we're going to buy out the contract because he's so good. And then, you know, the teammate gets there, and, like, there's a personality clash, or just it just isn't gelling. There's different philosophies about how to approach the game, not necessarily a personality clash, but uh, yeah. But with Rafa, for example, it's just, we try to 
set our egos aside and just focus, like have goals, focus on them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we both want to win. We like, I, I also think like motivation is actually just so big. A lot, a lot of players, they're not willing to put in the time. That's not really fun. Like mm-hmm. VOD reviewing and criticizing your, your own play and yeah. passing that criticism on. And like, that's not really fun. A lot of guys just want to step in and play, play, play you don't get as much out of it, I think, as having a good balance of, like, reviewing. So, yeah, but with Rafa, it's just, I think we have the best regimen in the Quake scene, so. (laughs) Well, I'll pass it on, so everybody knows. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, you, I mean, you've been competing in Quake tournaments for over 10 years now um, with, and we've, we've talked about that a little bit. Um, but as far as the actual competition goes, I mean, you talked about the order of magnitude in which the, the pots have uh, gotten bigger, but how about the events just in general? Um, are they more well attended by, by spectators? Are they larger in size? Yeah. So, I mean, spectators at the event and then of course viewership on twitch and things like that i mean i'm going back to 2007 2008 2009 like obviously twitch didn't even exist (laughs) it would just be this like like there's an event and like you always have to find out okay what where's the stream link like what Mm -hmm. and then it would just be this like 360 or 480p stream and then it's refreshing in the browser and it's not working it's just right now it's just a lot cleaner i think you know Esports generally has matured quite a lot, and they understand the expectations. There's kind of like a standard now, um, like high definition streams. Like, you know, it's more organized in terms of like, you know, there's what happens with commercial breaks and backgrounds, and how the whole like day schedule from like a broadcasting standpoint is managed. So, it it's night and day if you compare you know, some of the events from like the late 2000s and probably even prior to that, which is even before my time, <laughs> you know, so and it came a long way. Do you stream on Twitch? I do. Yes. You do? So how do you stream regularly? Where can people find you and how often can they uh, watch? So you can find me on twitch.tv slash Dehang. And normally I'll stream on weeknights for two or three hours, but Lately, ever since Streamhack Winter, I really haven't been streaming. But uh, it's more kind of like when I feel like it. To be honest, it's it's not. I don't really have a set schedule. But uh, if they follow you, they'll get the notification. I, exactly, and <laughs> it's it. You'll be notified pretty soon. It's not going to be <laughs> like a month or something. I, I definitely stream every you know every few days or so. Absolutely. And um, was there anything else that you wanted to mention while we're here? Um, it's well, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Well, what something that is just something I've actually been thinking about on my gaming career is like, I'm, I'm definitely on the tail end of it, obviously. So, but something I think that any aspiring player should think about kind of what I was alluding to earlier is making sure your motivation is high and don't look for shortcuts, put in the, put in the dirty work, like, and it doesn't mean playing eight to ten hours a day. It, think of a way to have quality practice, and think about what you're doing wrong. Don't don't think that oh someone is lucky because they did this in the game or any. Take that out of the equation and reflect on yourself always. Never think about 
the opponent or opponents. Think about what can I do to play better and keep the motivation up. Because I, I know from firsthand experience, um, my results are better when I have the right kind of outlook than when I don't. And I've played a lot of tournaments. So <laughs> I just, any aspiring players out there, that's what I would say. Absolutely. And I'm sure there's a lot of aspiring players that are looking for, you know, any little bit of knowledge that they can glean um, <laughs> that can help them be successful in their endeavor. It's, it's crazy to see. I mean, I obviously don't play video games competitively, but I've been playing them my whole life. And I started following esports um, almost 10 years ago mm-hmm. and just kind of as a committed spectator to esports. Uh, it's yeah. just, you know, the the opportunities for people who want to pursue it, you know, have increased tenfold um, across so many new games. Um, so I'm sure that they really appreciate any, any sort of advice that they have to offer. Um, are people going to be able to watch you play in any tournaments soon? Uh, and- so... I, we don't know exactly when the next tournament's going to be. So Bethesda, which is the you know company behind Quake Champions, mm-hmm. is what they do is they announce their tournament schedule for twenty nine, like for the upcoming year. Last year they actually didn't announce it until like April. So um, <laughs> it might be several months before I'm uh, before we know what's going on. But there's also another game coming out called Diabotical, which is actually very similar, like it's mm. the same style. So I don't really want to speculate too much on that, but you know, <laughs> we'll see what that's supposed to come out. And like, I, I don't even know the exact timeline, but <laughs> before the summer, probably uh-huh. um, for sure. And, and we'll see what, what's going on with that. But yeah. <laughs> well, I'll have links to your Twitch and your social media that people can follow you at. So they can, you know, they can be updated on, um, on what you're playing and when, um, and I'll have a, um, links to everything in the show notes. It was really interesting. I like when I Google your, um, when I Google you, it comes up with all of these different Wikipedias, like mm-hmm. liquid, liquidpedia and quickpedia with like literally right. pages of <laughs> your like tournament results. I was like, Oh my gosh. Um, it's like a whole new world for me. I, I never really played Quake or followed Quake, but almost every person that I have interviewed developer and competitive players have mm-hmm. cited quake and doom as like two of the games that were so influential in getting them interested in games on a deeper level. So I was not surprised to hear you bring up doom earlier. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I mean, those two games, doom and quake just revolutionized the entire multiplayer scene. Mm-hmm. Not even, not even first person shooters in particular. I mean, they did, but just, they were the original games. Quake, really, when it comes to multiplayer, like online, mm-hmm. that was like the first game. So all those players and developers, you know, in the 90s, if you were playing something, it was either Quake or like StarCraft. And that was pretty <laughs> much it. I mean, there was other stuff, of course, but from like a competitive standpoint, those were the main games. So I'm not, I'm not surprised that, you know, Quake is cited a lot when, when, <laughs> as you've uh, done your, you know, prior podcasts and so forth it's it's just interesting because you know almost nobody knows each other that i've spoken to or they know each other kind of you know business you know professionally so it's it's very interesting to see the threads that um are connected kind of between everybody um but (laughs) thank you thank you so much for joining me on the show though i know that you've had a busy year um and you kind of are winding down after a year of tournaments and stuff so i really appreciate you taking the time 
Of course. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And um, and like I said, I'll have links to everything on cakebites.com, including links to his Twitch, um, his Twitter, any other social media I can find that he's comfortable with me linking to. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And uh, yeah, so... All right. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'll have show notes for today's episode up on cakebites.com. Don't forget to like and follow the show on social media so you can keep up with updates as well as on Twitch so you can get updates when I finally go live. Um, And yeah, I think that's everything. See y'all next time.